Elite Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. We got Jason Theobald back in the house as usual. Jason, what's going on, man? How are you? Doing all right. Uh, just got done with some legs. Uh, it's been a busy day. My boy, uh, Aiden, the 16-year-old, has a soccer tournament in Indianapolis tomorrow, so I'm trying to do client stuff, work, pack, podcast. I got another podcast at 7.30. Just a busy day. Uh, my youngest comes tonight. He's going to sleep here because we got to get on the road tomorrow. Um, it's my weekend with him, too. So uh, just some busy stuff, man, but otherwise, it's a, it's a good Thursday. Yeah, man. Same, same thing with me. I haven't got to work out yet, but still knocking out a few straggler emails, getting ready to train after and then uh, back to work, um, taxes and all that stuff, which is a sore spot with most of us. We don't want to think about and talk about, but that's... I don't even want to share with my life. <laughs> I told you and that's fine. I know. Like, dude. My, mine's, mine's, it, it's always a mess. I don't care who you are. If you own multiple businesses, it's always just sucks. But other than that, man, good with me. Uh, anything new with you this week? Man, the only thing I really can think of to, to talk about, because there's not a whole lot new, um, is the PEC, the Physique Education Co- mm. Collective. Um, yeah. That'll be held in Nashville, um, 21st, 22nd. That's a Friday. It starts Friday night. We go into Saturday with six more presentations. Um, it's a pretty, pretty packed panel, uh, lots of good info. And uh, if you are interested in that, it's in Nashville. It's going to be a good weekend. Broadway's wide open. Uh, so we're going to get out Saturday night. Um, we're going to do some training together. It's going to be a good atmosphere. Go to physiqueeducationcollective.com and you can sign up there. I'm going to go ahead and link that in the show notes so you guys um, can just go right there and just click on it. It'll take you right there. So. Boom. Got it. Yeah, man. Uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see this. This is the only thing new. We dropped Fruity Flakes. It's a whey isolate. Tastes just like Fruity Pebbles. This one took us a while to get perfect, exactly right. I know there's been a lot of people that have come out with like Fruit Loop flavors and things like that. It's just really hard to get close. But man, we had so many people asking for it. And I thought, you know what? We, we've got like seven different flavors of protein. Let's go ahead and try this out. So we did, and it's been a huge hit. We got it right. So if you guys want to check that out, the link is there. But we're not here to try and promote a bunch of other stuff. We're here to talk about training intensity today. And Jason, you know, this is something that I think sometimes for guys like us or even some of our listeners that are advanced from doing this a long time, there's still going to be some nuggets in here and some words of wisdom. But especially for the coaches on the show, there are going to be times where You've said it before, man, how many times can we talk about carb cycling? Well, the answer is endless because there's always new people that come along that need to learn about these different things. So, you know, that's our topic today is training intensity and even some frequency in there. Um, So let's, let's kind of break this down, man. I just want to start off by saying that training intensity, how hard you train, I think for a lot of people, they didn't understand it. It includes a lot more than people think. It's not just training hard, but training hard and smart. And I'm a big believer in the longer people train, the better they should actually get at understanding intensity and training, because we've talked about you multiple times on the show and I'll use other people as examples as we go. But I mean, you're, you really figured your groove out. I would say starting 2000, I mean, you always were good, but starting out 2016 until now you've gotten better with intensity techniques, correct? Definitely. Yeah. Um, You know, 
I always say I've been a late bloomer and a slow bloomer. And I'll be honest with you. I think some guys figure it out faster than I did. Um, I really wish I would have figured it out earlier, but it just took me time. You know, like I went through all the progressive overload where that was my only focus, but a lot of times my reps would get shitty and you know, the focus wasn't even on the target muscle anymore. And, you know, I finally just due to joints and age and thinking, man, I better get smarter about this. I, I started to kind of find my groove and, in terms of, you know, thinking about tempos and we can go over that and thinking about the execution and full range of motion and, you know, um, just pulling weight back and really feeling the target muscle work and then getting stronger from there. I, I basically restarted over at one point um, and worried only about the target muscle doing the movement. And uh, that was huge for me. You know, it's your ego gets placed at the door. Um, I usually have one of the better physiques in the gym, but I'll be honest with you, I'm definitely not the guy lifting the most weight by any means. Yeah. And, and one thing that I do want to point out, I believe there's really stages of muscle gain that people go through as they get more advanced. Um, you're one that I think of Jason Wells, our good friend that, that we both know. He's another one. He sent me some, some pictures that were only like eight to 12 weeks apart and he wasn't dieting. And I think you saw those maybe when yeah. we were down in Tampa. It was awesome. And, you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, he really was hammering the Elkhorn, you know, injectable plus adding in the oral on top of it. But he really wasn't doing a lot of other stuff different. And I tried to tell him, I said, listen, man, I, I know all these little things add up, but here's what's happening is you've gotten to the point. He's like four years in, you've gotten to the point that you understand the lifts and training so well, it literally starts to become an art form because we're all athletes. Right. And I tell people all the time, if you shoot free throws and you shoot them consistently over time, you should become better at shooting free throws yep. until you just get to the point where you're, you're kind of stalled out. But it's the same thing with training. People should get better with understanding how to train with intensity and purpose better. So I see people go through a, a period where they're, they're not just weightlifters anymore. They become bodybuilders in the yep. sense that they train to the point to where their body starts to really bloom more than it was before. Now, ha have you seen that as well? Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, a lot of people um, get the benefit of these seminars and things we do, like Jason's trained with you, but he trained with me too. And, you know, I, I think those things add up and I didn't have that luxury, really. Um, I trained with a bunch of other amateurs just like me, <laughs> you know, I never really had that IFBB pro or that high level guy that had 20 years under their belt kind of show me things. So I definitely think that that's what helped Jason, you know, and um, hopefully he, he, you know, he, he, basically, you know, having other coaches and, and, and guys that are at that point show you and gals too, um, will really help. So yeah, I think, uh, even for myself, as I started to, I'm never going to say that progressive overload isn't important. It is, you've got to get stronger. Um, but there's other areas and I know my brain was stuck on just more than one of the, you know, just that one for so many years. And it's not that I didn't get good, but my density, um, even my leanness stuck around better. And I think it's just because all around my training sessions are more intense. Yeah, I agree. And, and let's talk about something else. Let's talk about, let's kind of lay the foundation here. Let's talk about the difference in most weightlifters or what I would say, not really gym rats. I hate that term because it sounds like a, a negative term, but just kind of like gym rats and, and things of that nature and bodybuilders, or even the difference in like some power lifters, and bodybuilders. And there's a reason why we all look a little bit different. So, you know, some people, when they first start with me, I will see them like they're training what they, they consider hard. Their intensity is on a scale one to 10. And we'll talk about that. They're, they're going to feel like they're training a 10 out of 10. And then I invite them in to train with me and they are training hard. 
but they're just plowing through the reps and they're pushing hard until they get to the point where like their forms all fucked up and their face is ugly, which is, which is fine, but they're not really making the progress on the lift like they should be. And that's what a lot of weight trainers go through. They hit the point where they hit failure, but they can't really move the weight like they should. Then you look at advanced bodybuilders, it's more slow and controlled, but Jason, what's the difference in the look of the physique between um, most weightlifters that have been in their training 10 years and they're just weightlifters versus a bodybuilder. Like you see a huge difference in their physique, right? Yeah. I mean, so with a bodybuilder, you know, they're, if they know what they're doing, they're training, you know, for hypertrophy, but also that, that, that blood flow type of hypertrophy, what do you call it? Hyperplasia. Or I'm blanking yeah. right now. Just cell swelling is what I call yeah. it. Yeah. And so you've got both, type of hypertrophy going on in a bodybuilder's training. Um, so a lot of times they look rounder. Um, they are going to look denser. They are going to look leaner than your average gym rat. And, you know, that is a very high product of their training. Um, again, the focus is not just on one rep maxes and getting stronger. That's powerlifting and that's great. I've powerlifted friends and that's what they love to do. You've dabbled in it yourself. Um, but those guys generally and not all of them. I mean, there's been some freaky looking powerlifters, but generally speaking, a lot of those guys look more farm, like more like, you know, big guys you see on a farm, but not really the more aesthetic cut round look that you see from bodybuilding training. And I think as you progress, um, you learn tempos, you learn intensity techniques, you learn to slow down, you learn to feel the weight and only the target muscle uh, being pushed. And, in, and, and even though the weight may be less, your intensity and your intent with each rep is more focused and more intense. So the training itself is more intense overall um, than, say, an intermediate. We advanced bodybuilders can get more out of the same weight than, say, an intermediate can, like more muscle fiber recruitment. And that's what you want. Yeah, 100%. And there's definitely a big, big difference in the way powerlifters look. And even powerlifters that are bodybuilders as well, because there's a lot of people and it got real popular. Cliff Wilson and I used to talk about this a lot um, at the summit whenever a Q&A would come up. One of the big changes he, he switched out of and myself as well is we used to dabble with a lot of the big three movements, squat, bench, and deadlift. And we would try and program so people could do powerlifting in the off season, but still train and keep their quote unquote accessories in and still try to look like bodybuilders. And what we noticed with a lot of our clients and a lot of people that came to us that were preaching this, when it came time to diet back down for a show, they hadn't really made a lot of progress. And I know two really well-known people. I'm not going to say that who they are. I prepped one and Cliff prepped one. They actually didn't look as good because they had switched over to that, took four years off and they came back on stage and they didn't have the same look and they actually looked a little bit smaller. So my, my, my thought process and his as well, we just had a seminar this weekend in Iowa. So we talked about this. So our thought process was they're not really feeling the muscle. They're training, they're chasing a logbook, yep. training percentages, and they're chasing that. And they're not really training like bodybuilders. So I want our listeners to understand this is a bodybuilding podcast. We're not talking about who's has the highest fucking bench or squat or deadlift. We're talking about who looks like a bodybuilder so that I kind of want to get all that out of the way to kind of lay the foundation of, uh, of our talk today. Um, one of the questions that I do get a lot is what's an RPE scale? Like what does the rated perceived exertion scale mean? Jason, is that something that you ever use with your clients? Like a one to 10 scale? I do. I actually use it a lot actually in my, um, hormonal, uh, 
cases, you know, okay, yeah. women or men have issues because I got to arrest them. So I'll say, Hey, it's an RP of seven, no higher. Or then I'll just let them know, okay, if you don't get that or you struggle, let's just say we stop three reps shy of what you feel like would be your failure. Is it an exact science? Of course not. It's your own governor. You know, it's your own feel of what would be your, what's your 10, what's your nine, what's your seven, what's your eight, but at least it gives them something to work with. Do I use it when people are healthy? Sure. I still have programs where I program it in. Um, but it's not as often as like some other people. I have some programs that I use specifically that has it um, when I'm trying to control recovery really well. Um, I don't use it as much with my ped people, um, but I do use it. What about yourself? Yeah, I, I use it as well to give people kind of an, an idea. Um, for most of my natural athletes, just kind of a, a you know a general rule of thumb, I'll tell people it's all different, but I'll, I'll tell people, hey, listen, if you're doing you know five sets on the chest press for chest, do the first four sets an RPE of nine. So maybe you do it and you've got one rep left, Thank and you. then your and then your last set, go ahead and hit absolute failure, a ten out of ten, to where you can't push anymore unless I walked up and spotted you on the, and got you one more rep. And I, I think a lot of people don't use the RPE scale, but I like it because I'm actually a pretty big fan for bodybuilding to go in and go off of how your body feels and don't chase a logbook and chase numbers. Um, and that's just the way that I feel works best. So I do use that with my clients. Um, I do want to ask you to kind of give your an example. What's your example of failure, like a 10 out of 10 and what's extreme failure? Like, like what would go beyond that for you? Is that something that you ever talk about with clients? Yeah, we have that discussion or I'll write it in the notes. Um, so for me, you know, failure set would be where you have reached mechanical failure and can't do a full rep, uh, full range of motion rep any longer. You know, you can get some partials in, but you can't do a full rep anymore. That would be failure. Beyond failure, you know, if you have a spotter, then it can be forced reps. If you don't, then that's when you can use other intensity techniques like partial reps, like I talked about, just eking out reps that aren't full. Or you can use rest pauses where you rest five seconds, really deep breaths to oxygenate, and then try to go again till failure, mechanical, and then repeat that one more time. But that's helping you get beyond failure. Um, so there's techniques to do it, whether you have a partner or whether you don't. That's how I list it. I, I don't know what you do, but that's how I explain it. 100% the exact same. And then, you know, we've got the, what I would consider um, beyond failure, you know, and that's, that's when you've got a spotter. And, and here's, I do want to talk about this when it comes to Natty versus enhanced. Um, you know, if you and I are, are on the chest press and I get to where I mechanically fail and I hit a 10 out of 10, but we're, we're in a cycle where we're just pushing beyond for a short amount of time and you assist me and maybe I get two or three more and they're just the most brutal, painful reps. And we used to see a lot of that back in the day, like a lot in the nineties and early two thousands. Um, you don't really see that preach very often anymore, but that's what I grew up on. And that's what I saw yeah. a lot of people doing. And when someone's assisted, kind of like you said, you don't really use as much with your assisted folks, people, assisted folks can recover a lot faster, obviously. Um, so we see a lot of natty folks doing it and they're burning, they're burning out kind of explain, what these extreme techniques can do if people do them yes. too long. Yeah. And then we'll kind of talk about, we'll kind of talk about deloads a little bit later on. Right. So, you know, people will get into training um, and they'll have a little bit of education. Let's say they're intermediate and they may try to do these types of, you know, they may try to do uh, rest pauses with every set. 
Well, nine out of 10 after three to four weeks, you're going to, you're going to burn out. So that is going to overreach you, especially if you're a natural athlete, you know? So what might be nice is to only do force reps for your last set of each exercise. If I think someone's recovery is even poorer, I might only have them do it per one time per body part in the whole workout. Yeah. Um, you know, where they do forced reps. Uh, I'm sorry, where they do, uh, yeah, rest pauses. Um, so, you know, recovery is, is going to be way different. And, you know, that is one of those things where if a, if a, if a natural athlete starts to, if this can happen to someone enhanced, but if a natural athlete starts to, you know, sleep poor, digestion goes yeah. to shit, um, all those different things, you know, it's time to pull back and whatever you did program or what you're doing for yourself, it, it got you to an overreaching point probably quicker than you should have within your training cycle. So then you back off um, and, and go another direction. But I've found a sweet spot for naturals is, you know, anywhere from the last set to have those uh, rest pauses or drop sets are also another way to do it. Um, and, you know, if, if it's someone who's maybe had issues with recovery in the past, or I know it, then it might only be, you know, if they have four sets, um, uh, of four, uh, four sets, uh, four exercises for chest, they might only get one of those. I might, it might say on their instructions, pick one, one exercise and go, you know, beyond failure with this technique and then move. And then you're done with that type of stuff. So yeah, recovery is huge and it's different in, in, in all, all athletes. All athletes. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't realize to get to that point of overreaching when you just feel like hammered dog shit, like that's the best way to just kind of describe it. If there was, if you look it up and look up hammer dog shit, that's overreaching. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people think, well, I, I don't want that, but it's not a bad thing. When you get to that point, it, I systematically have my clients get there. We've talked about on, on other episodes, I'll have them overreach and that's where they take their volume and their intensity and they raise them as, as high as we can. Right. And what that does is that leads to that point that you were talking about. And then the next thing you know is they need a deload. So they they let cortisol drop, they let their body and their joints recover in their CNS and they feel better coming in. And then you go work on getting stronger or better at the lifts or all of the things combined. So overreaching and feeling like that's not a bad sign. And sometimes Jason, I, I think people can just go by feel. Are you, are you cool with that? Just kind of going by feel and taking a, a day or two here off once they feel like that. Or do you like to schedule deloads for people? I really like to watch feedback. Um, so that way I'm not too rigid on it. I had actually someone today, you know, talk about they just feel their legs feel super heavy. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're getting up in the morning and they just don't really want to do anything. Yeah. And, you know, I had the block scheduled out till I think May 14th, but I was like, ah, let's just change wheel. Let's change directions. I put them on four days training, drop the RPE to eight. I'm just going to see how it goes for four weeks. If I need to give them a full break, you know, after a week, if they're still not better, then I may just give them a full week off. Or I may say, just drop your RPE to a five. Let's go in and do a little pump and get out. I, it just depends. And basically what, how, basically how driven down someone is, are they just not sleeping good? Are they just really tired in the morning or is now digestion messed up too? You know, all those different things kind of lead into how aggressive my deload is. So I don't, generally program one in, but I will tell you this, the, the people I do program them in, generally they're women who have shown me via labs that every time we push, their cortisol rises to yep. an unhealthy level. So at this point, I'm just like, all right, every fifth week you deload. Like it's not even an option. We just do it. Um, and we put in more cordies that week and we just take care of it. And I have women that need that. 
Um, but I found it out through labs and through working with them. It's not something that I do right off the bat. So, yeah, I, I do want to talk about a couple other intensity techniques. Um, one thing, and I've made multiple posts on this. I don't think we've talked about it on the show much. There is a pretty cool technique and it's been studied a lot and that's using forced eccentrics. And a lot of the time you really need a workout partner or a spotter for that. But you know, it's something that I think if people want to give this a shot, you do it for a couple few weeks and really what you can do is we'll use the chest press for an example, right? A forced eccentric is eccentrics, the lowering portion of, of the chest press machine, right? You push up, that's a concentric, you're contracting on the way down. That's the eccentric, right? And the, the elongation of the muscle. And what happens is a lot of people think, well, I'll just slow that down to get more eccentric muscle damage and eccentric muscle damage can be huge, right? It's a huge part of growth. And a lot of people don't tap into that. They only, yep. they get mostly concentric, but what people don't understand is the lowering of the chest press, for example, it needs to be harder than the concentric. So what do you do? You have a partner come in and Jason say you and I were pushing right now and I'm pushing up on my rep on the chest press and I squeeze for a couple seconds and then you push back against me and I have to fight it. So what happens is, is we're trying to make the, the eccentric, the lowering portion harder and it causes a massive amount of muscle damage, but you have to be careful with that because if you do it too much, it will definitely overreach you. So I, I like to program that in for people that have a weak body part and to try that from time to time, but just don't do it too often. And you really do need a spotter and you need to make sure that it's harder than the concentric. You can't just slow down your normal. It can't be just the normal weight and you slow it down on the way down. It needs to be pushed. You have to fight against it, not just the weight. Um, University of Tampa did quite a few studies on this. And, and I first heard about it in 2015. Um, and it was, it was pretty cool. So give that a shot if you guys want to try that. I can't think of any other um, intensity techniques. Do we talk about supersets at all? No, and we haven't talked about drop sets. I mean, I, yeah. you know, they, they might know what they are, but that's another way. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Let's, let's give well, our so, listeners. You know, at the end of your set, um, you take it to mechanical failure, which, again, you, you can't do a full range of motion rep. Um, and, you know, I challenge you there to really, really push yourself and figure that out. A lot of times people think they can't do another rep and they can. And, you know, I fight with this too still as an advanced bodybuilder. And I believe that, it, you know, on a rep that on where it says true mechanical failure, really dig is what I'm saying. Um, so once you hit that point um, in a drop set, you basically um, don't rest, you drop the weight. So it's easier to do this on obviously pin loaded machines, or if you have a partner stripping the weight, yeah. you can get up and strip it, but, but it's you're resting a little bit. I mean, it still works, but it's not the same. Um, so I would do these on pin loaded if you train on your own, like myself. Um, and what you do is you drop the weight, you might drop it two plates, uh, or two holes, three holes, whichever, um, works for you and try to get into a range where you can try to get another three to six reps, pull the weight down again and go again. And you can do that two times. You can do it three times. Um, the more you do it, the more you tear down the muscle, so just, you know, be aware that that is an intensity technique. It works great, um, but use them sparingly. Don't do drop sets every freaking set. If you're <laughs> able to do drop sets every freaking set, then you're probably not truly getting to mechanical failure. Um, you might think you are, but you need to rethink how, how intense are you really training and how much are you really pushing when that set is scheduled uh, to be a full failure set. 
Yeah. And you know, man, I'll tell you the, the drop set that just hammers me that I just really feel well is, um, doing side laterals with dumbbells and literally you just have the rack to yourself and you're, you're doing thirties and get like 15 to 18 and then you drop down to 25s and 20s and you just go all the way down. By the time you grab the fives, your damn hands are numb and it's just yeah. brutal and you're, you're yeah. making the ugliest face in the world. Um, but yeah, I, I do see a lot of new people see that or they read about these techniques and they do, like you said, and they end up doing it way too much. They end up getting fried. So take Jason's advice there. Don't do that. And then supersets. That's something everybody, I feel like most of our listeners understand what a superset is, but I see a lot of people, their whole workout becomes a superset. And listen, if, yeah. if you're in there trying to train in 20 minutes and get in and out, cause you're, you're an old fat fucker like me and you're just trying to stay in shape and you're you're probably training at RP of eight and you're just moving and you're in and out in 30 minutes because you, you've got a podcast. Like that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people that are trying to be create their best physique and make progress. So give people an example of like maybe your favorite superset, Jason, and then how often to use those. Um, my favorite superset right now. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but you do lat pull downs um, kind of leaning back a little bit. And so you're wanting to put the stress more on your upper back um, mm -hmm. and your width. So if you lean back and do it wrong, that actually puts more of the uh, tension up on like the tears major, tears minor. And then I go and do this like little um, um, uh, pull down with the D handle, but I'm pulling kind of down to my nose, not to my chest. And that's hammering right. that part under the armpit. And so I'll shoot for 12 reps on each. I do take it to mechanical failure. Um, but generally speaking, I don't do any force reps or drop sets or any, you know, cause the fact of the matter is that is an intensity technique in itself running, running a, uh, superset. And that would be the only one on back that I usually do. Um, shoulders. I like cable upright rows, um, using a rope and then immediately go into bent over, uh, dumbbells hitting your rear delts fires up all heads, especially the medial and the rears. Um, I really like that one. Again, I shoot for around 10 to 12 each time. Um, if I can go up and wait, I will. Um, and, you know, continue to hit like a top set. That's, that's, you know, one of my better uh, PRs if I can. Yeah. Um, so those are a couple that I like on supersets, but there's a slew of them you can do. Obviously. Oh yeah. There's all kinds. Like you can even pair together different body parts, which is not really what we're talking about here. Like biceps and triceps. You could do that for time. Definitely. But, blow up your arms. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think my favorite really, like if I'm going to do it at the end of the workout, my favorite is, um, is flies with a cable and then push ups right after. And I'll hammer out four sets like that and just fill it with blood. But sometimes I do that to start the workout. If I need to get some blood in there, I need to get things going. Um, I'll do that in the higher rep ranges. So that just seems to really light me up. Then the rest of my chest workout is just money. Um, let me, let me talk about this too. Let's talk about selecting exercises for your training because sure. that ends up being tied to your intensity. So yes, I've got clients and you're probably the same. Like some people have been following a certain plan that they've gotten somewhere, or it's like we talked about earlier, it's based around squat bench and deadlift or someone else is doing their programming. I'm doing their nutrition and they're, they're putting down something like, you need to do pull-ups every back workout because that's what a lot of people say. If you want a big back, you have to do pull-ups. But if you don't fucking feel pull-ups worth a shit and you're spending a lot of time doing pull-ups, 
my point is, what are your thoughts on selecting exercises for your training? Are you big on certain exercises or do you like to go by what that client feels the most when they train that body part and just focusing on that or, or maybe even for you yourself over the last four or five years? Um, so I feel like you should do the exercises that you feel the most. You know, I know somebody out there created some meme or just put it out there years ago that you should be doing the exercises you hate the most. Right. Well, you know, I mean, sure, I guess, whatever, but I don't do that shit. Like I do the exercises that I can feel and I can isolate the muscle plain and simple. And if I, if I get into something and say I did it eight months ago and I start doing it and I'm like, man, I'm not really feeling where I want this to feel. I go fucking do something else that I can feel. Right. Um, so, you know, I'll be honest with you, my training since 2016 has, has gravitated more and more to machines because I'm by myself. I really don't like training with someone because it's too time consuming. Usually yeah. uh, they don't show up on time. Uh, you're, they're late. And, and if I'm training, I'm timing all my pre intro, all yeah. this shit. I just want to start. So I generally train by myself. So I've gravitated to a lot of machines because I can do most intensity techniques on them. Usually they fit my body really well and I can feel the muscle. And so, yeah, I'm a big proponent in doing what you feel. If a client of mine tells me they aren't feeling something, I don't say suck it up. I might try to help them with cues. Like I'm big on, you know, putting in cues if someone's struggling with something, but um, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't subscribe to that do the ones you hate. I subscribe to do the ones you feel the most and then get really, really good at it. You know what I mean? Like Michael Jordan didn't stop shooting free throws his whole entire career. I mean, he kept trying to get better and, and improve his release and improve his form and improve his, you know, eye hand coordination, all of it. And it's the same with training. You know, I mean, I might, do, I find sometimes chest presses that I love and I'll do that fucker all year. I won't even change it out. And I'm just trying to get better at it. Maybe I need to sit a little further from the seat. Maybe I need to angle my back. Maybe I need to drop my elbows in, drop them or push them up. I, I tinker and find like the best groove to where it's just all chest or whatever I'm working. Um, and that's when you really start to advance as a bodybuilder rather than just a gym rat or a weightlifter. Yeah. You know, another analogy I think of, um, because, you know, we both love business. We love business damn near as much as we love bodybuilding and physique enhancement. Yeah, there's a lot of people that say, you know, focus on your, on your weaknesses, improving those. And I, I believe just the opposite. Why not focus on your strengths and not worry so much about your weaknesses? So if I'm trying to improve myself and I can't write worth a shit, do I need to go spend a bunch of time learning how to write and put out copy? When I'm really good at doing videos, maybe I should put videos out instead and I ain't fucking worry about the writing. No, that's just an example. Yeah. And I yeah. think the same, I agree with everything that you just said about exercises. So to our listeners out there, we wanted to put that out. Maybe you don't focus so much on the logbook and you go off a of feel and you don't spend time doing shit that you, Cliff Wilson, hey, I brought him up numerous times because I, I just spent the whole weekend with him doing a seminar. He brings this up all the time. He goes, I cannot feel the bench press worth a shit when I, I can't train. I can't yeah. I don't do it. Yeah, so why, why should you guys ever spend time on it, right? Yeah. I mean, you know what? You're an example. You and Cliff both had weak chests, yeah. and now you've brought them up um, a ton. Yeah. And how much do you bench at all, Jason? I never bench. Right. I use – I use. I, I use spend time on it. And dumbbells because that's where I feel it, all machines and dumbbells. And, and once I started doing that, I could actually feel the, the, the body part work. When I was busy trying to get, you know – a big bench. It was all my triceps. I mean, they're massive. It was all my shoulders, you know, they're big. Um, I can bench press now 
way lighter and get it, get my chest to fire. But I'm just like, why when I can, you know, when, when most guys get hurt on that, I'm 43, it's tough on my shoulder joints. I I'm more susceptible to a tear. Why not just stick with machines that I can feel right away? So, and I can go heavier on. No, I agree a hundred percent. Um, you know what, man, this, this was a, this was a fun, quick episode. I like this talk. I, I wanted us to do this because we all get people that just need this. Like we've all got people that are still new or they're only two or three years in that they need to hear this stuff. And I think sometimes it's worth us taking the time to kind of go back and reiterate what, you know, a lot of this stuff is basic stuff for us, but to a lot of our listeners, maybe it's a good reminder of, Hey, I need to really start to think more about my training and my intensity. Um, so like if you guys ever have questions, hit us both up. We've got our emails are in the show notes. I do that every single episode, email myself or Jason, or if you ever want to check out any of the stuff from our, our, our podcast, whether it's products or our guests, we always have that stuff in the show notes. So I wanted to uh, make sure and remind people of that. And finally, if you haven't left a review, we're well into the four hundreds. Now we haven't asked for reviews a lot lately. Um, we just hate asking you guys all the time, but if you haven't left a review, please go leave a review and just tell a friend because we're going to continue to put these out. I would like to get us to a hundred. I think this is episode like 57 and we take our time because we're very busy. We run multiple businesses, uh, but hit us up, send questions in. We're going to do another yeah. Q and a coming up soon. And uh, if you guys have a, a guest that you want to have on the show, let us know. Like we're, we're all about that. Um, I did want to tell people though, that are expecting the, the seminar from Tampa Q and a, I am working on that. It just didn't turn out as well with the recording. Like I thought the, you know, we had five people on the panel, myself, you, Lauren, um, Dr. we had Will Grazione and Dr. Yeah. Yeah. We had, uh, everyone was on there and I was just like, man, it didn't come out very well. So I'm still working on that. I'm not an expert, but if not, we'll, we'll figure that out. Maybe we'll just have all them back on the show. We'll do a Q and a with all of us. So Jason, you have anything else that you want to add, man? Well, you know, um, in closing, I guess, you know, I brought up tempo, so I guess I should have just explained. Oh, it. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, if you're not familiar with it, it's basically the speed at which you do your reps. So, you know, a tempo that I prescribe sometimes to people would be a three second negative or eccentric, you know, the eccentric, whatever you want to call it. Um, I might have someone then pause in the hole for just one second and what I want them to do is think about at that pause, only firing then the muscle that they're trying to train out of the hole. And by pausing for a second, you kind of let your brain have a second go, okay, now I need to just push only with the pecs. Now engage them. I might have you do a one second up. So it's a more explosive concentric. And then I might have them, you know, squeeze for two seconds. So it's going to slow down the speed of your rep, but it's going to be way more deliberate. It's going to add intensity immediately. You aren't going to be able to go as heavy, but you're going to learn to train the muscle that, that you're intending by taking your time. And you can do a bunch of different tempos. You can do a two, 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 two. You can, you know, do one, two, one, two. I mean, different things, but I like to slow that eccentric down a lot of times and, and program that two second squeeze and kind of get that mind muscle connection really, really learned. And then at times, once that, once they are good, I might just say, all right, take away the tempos. Now they move a little bit faster. You can move a little bit more weight, but now their body is basically primed to continue yep. to fire the muscle. So it's like, take a step back, go lighter, use some tempo, especially if you're weak body parts, start over, really retrain that those movements and then remove the tempos 
don't go speeding then, you know, where weightlifters just worry about pounding out reps, keep the control, but you don't have to worry about the tempo. And now you can build within where the muscle's firing. Yeah, no, that that's great advice. I'm, I'm glad you picked that up. I should have had that in the show notes. Um, I do know one thing I've noticed when I've told my clients, you know, use, use four seconds down the eccentric. Yeah. So if we're talking about chest press again, four seconds on the way down, explode on the way up and squeeze, you know, for one to two seconds. What I have noticed with people is it's taught them to be patient, to become patient. And I've had a lot of people, especially when I first started, they're like, it just takes so long. I'm in the gym for so long or each set takes so long. I'm like, listen, you've got to be fucking patient. Bodybuilding, it's going to, it's a long ass time. Like yeah. you're going to do this shit for 20 years. All right. It's going to so, burn, but it's supposed to, like, it's going to burn more. Like your set now goes from 15 seconds to over 35, 45, 50 second set. Um, so the intensity's there. There's more time under tension, right? Um, all these things have been proven to, improve muscle size and roundness so yeah it's harder it it takes longer it hurts more but that's the fucking point <laughs> yeah and and the, probably the last thing that i want to say and then we can shut it down is if remember we're talking about improving your physique i don't do any of these techniques hardly at all and my physique has not changed in five years that should tell you right there when you're I do everything that goes against what we're saying and I'm okay with it because I'm not trying to grow. I'm just trying to maintain my physique. If I wanted to try and grow, I would do everything we're talking about on the podcast. So think about that. If you're not doing the stuff the way we're talking about, you're training like I am, you're probably stalled out too. Your physique is not going anywhere. And if you're like me and you're okay with that, then that's fine. So they just, I just wanted to point out, it actually takes a lot to get your body to grow. And some of this stuff we talked about today that's that's your bread and butter that's what we want you guys to focus on so all right man you said you got another podcast after this right is that tonight 30 and i still got a pack for indy so i'm gonna try to get whatever i got 12 new emails in my inbox and what we've been on here 45 <laughs> minutes yeah frank those out gonna plaque a little bit and then i'll be right back at it at 7 30 man yeah man all right well we always appreciate you and your time man and i got more to get back to so for myself yeah, yeah. and jason we're out of here see you guys